we, like I mentioned earlier, we're fresh off um, a camping trip to Perigen Lake with um, our junior high and high school kids. And the theme of the, the weekend was following God into the unknown um, with, I think, a little bit of starting new schools for a lot of kids in mind. But, but it's just a reminder that really every day in front of us is following God into the unknown. Sometimes there's big decisions to be made. Sometimes it's kind of just the mundane, but who really knows what's going to happen tomorrow, if we're honest, right? So following God into the unknown is kind of a life thing that uh, uh, that we deal with. Every single human being is following somebody into the unknown. And so we started to look at Scripture, and um, lo and behold, like every single person in the Bible is pretty much following God into the unknown, or in Jonah's case, resisting following God into the unknown. Um, but he ends up doing it anyway. Uh, and so I wanted to plant... Uh, this theme in, a, in the text of uh, Exodus 3, Moses following God into the unknown in his life. Um, and I'll, I'll do that by just starting to read Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Um, so if you're able, why don't you stand up with me and we'll read this text. Now Moses was pasturing his flock the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not being burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said to him also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good land, a land of spaciousness and, and flowing with milk and honey to a place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite, and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Lord, we thank you for this text, for this story that is the backbone of Judaism and the backbone of Christianity, which flows out of that story. Thank you that we are part of this story. And so I pray as we dig into this passage and, and consider what it meant for Moses, that we would also be able to own what it means for us. Thank you that we are part of this lineage and this story, the story of God. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would release faith in us. Amen. We may only be in chapter 3 of Exodus in this story, but already we're meeting Moses at the middle age of his life. You might, be, uh, you might remember in your mind that just a, a chapter or two earlier, Moses was the baby who was spared, kind of like Harry Potter, right, without the scar, like the, the baby who lived. Uh, the Hebrew midwives heroically went against Pharaoh's orders and hid Moses, a baby boy. All the baby boys were supposed to be uh, terminated at childbirth uh, on order of Pharaoh. Um, and they end up hiding Moses in a little craft uh, in the reeds of the Nile River. And it's there that of all people who would find Moses is one of the daughters of Pharaoh. And she sees the infant baby and she raises him as her own. Now being raised in the Egyptian court, Moses had the finest education available, learning history, language, combat, mathematics, military strategy, and leadership. From that perspective, if we just pause right there at that part in the story, it seems so obvious, right, from a worldly perspective at least, that Moses is groomed to lead the people of Israel. What an education, what a background. He's even like behind enemy lines. He's in the Egyptian court. And when the moment came, at least the moment Moses thought was the moment, Moses saw a fellow Hebrew being beaten, a slave, a Hebrew slave, one of his own people being beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster. And he takes the opportunity, he looks this way and that, and nobody's looking. He whacks this guy down, this Egyptian guy, he ends up dying. But instead of gaining the respect of his fellow Hebrews, he ends up being scorned by them. And at the same time, becoming a fugitive from the Egyptians. By the time we catch up with Moses in Exodus chapter 3, the chapter that we're in right now, Moses has put away his dreams of being a savior at all, and he is a humble shepherd. He's a family man. And instead of being any kind of great leader, he's become the son-in-law of a pagan priest, and the flock that he's shepherding out in the wilderness like a nomad isn't even his own it's Jethro's, his father-in-law's. It is here in this ordinary, predictable, daily mundane thing that he does all the time because he's a shepherd, so he's out shepherding. It is here, not in some special sanctuary or because Moses had done special stuff or because of his Egyptian education. It is here in the wilderness, the mundane rhythms of shepherding sheep that Moses' life is changed forever. In the story before us, God has just said that he is going to come down and deliver Israel. And then he informs Moses, and by the way, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to send you. Now that probably caught Moses off guard. That's a euphemism, right? Like Moses asks this simple but powerful question. Who am I? Who am I that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Now, I see at least two relatable parts to this question. Here's where I just want us to focus in for ourselves. First, 
there's the doubts that Moses might be experiencing from his past rejection. When he was a much younger man, a much more powerful man, almost in every way, physically, he, he had the connections inside the court of, of, uh, of Egypt. When he was on the top of his A-game from a worldly perspective, Moses had tried to intervene and to help the Israelites. And he thought he was doing the right thing, but when he went out the next day and interacted with these Israelite men, he was cut down. These men whom he wanted to help, who he thought he was destined to help, rejected Moses. They didn't recognize his authority. They say, who made you prince over us? And they were sarcastically biting at him with these remarks. That's the last recorded conversation that Moses has with his own people before, before being exiled into wilderness and taking up with Jethro and his family in Midian. In light of that rejection, Moses' question to God, who am I that you would send me? That might be a very real expression of his very damaged self-image, right? Like, who am I? Like, I thought I was this, and now I'm wandering shepherd dude, with really without a people. Many of us have memories of failure, cutting words by other people, self-inflicted hatred that we carry around with us on the inside. And we allow these tapes to roll around in our minds and tell us what we can't do or to tell us who we really are. Someone you looked up to may have crushed you at some point in your life when you were very vulnerable, told you a lie that you bought into about who you are and who you aren't. And now you can't tell if it's true or not. Well, maybe that's what Moses is going through. But there's a tension here in Moses' question. Who am I? Is also a legitimate question. God is the great rescuer throughout scriptures. It is God's job to deliver. Who is Moses that he should do God's job? So that's the second part of this question. The first part deals with Moses' own self-image, right? The second part is a legitimate theological question. God is the one who delivers in the Bible. People don't do it, right? Who are we to think that we can change the world? Who are we to think that we know better than anybody else how to do stuff? Both angles on Moses' question resolve in how God answers it. First, notice that God does not address Moses' self-esteem. He does not say, you actually are really skilled and educated. He was displaying these growing qualities as a leader. He had the best education in Egypt, but God does not highlight those things. He doesn't pat Moses on the head and say, you have what it takes, buddy. You're good enough. He does not go there which leads us secondly to how God does respond. Rather than pumping up Moses' ego, God says something more important. And you're probably wondering, like, what's more important than getting my ego pumped up? Here it is. Certainly, without a doubt, I am with you. That's how God answers this question. Moses' question, and often our question, when we go into the unknown, we're facing our fears, is who am I? 
And God says, certainly, certainly, without a doubt, I am with you. At this point, Moses doesn't ask God how he is supposed to pull this off. He wants, uh, he wants to know who he even is to do this thing, to which God replies, you are the one I am with. And so as I'm looking at you, I can say you are the one that God is with. Moses doesn't see the big picture, but he knows enough to know he can trust God for the next step. And that's how life is in Christ. We're often called to be faithful in the small steps, in the day-to-day, in the mundane thing, one step of obedience at a time. And we don't get to see the big picture. And frankly, we probably couldn't handle the big picture. But the promise is that certainly, without a doubt, God is with me and God is with you. I wanted to share just a little bit of my story because uh, Tommy and I had an opportunity to share a little, just a, a snapshot of our story where we got to address the kids who were there for the weekend going over this topic of following God into the unknown. And we thought it would be important like for kids to, maybe they think, I don't know, maybe we have them fooled and they think we have it all together. But it's good to remember that we don't. Like, there's a lot of unknowns in our life. So I shared the story about the time in my life when, when I made a huge career change to go into ministry because that was a terrifying unknown. And I didn't know how that was going to turn out. And all I had to go on was certainly, without a doubt, I am with you. Um, so many of you know that I was in the United States Coast Guard, and that was my first like big kid job <laughs> when I was a, a, a young man. And I got married to Corey, and we got transferred to California. And I'm like six years into this Coast Guard career. Um, things were going pretty well, right? Like I knew what I was going to be doing pretty much. Um, day in and day out, I uh, had steady income, I had medical benefits, I had a retirement plan, I, I knew what that was going to think, I thought I knew what that was going to look like, and Corey was a full-time student, dental hygiene student, and some things began to happen in my heart as I uh, just continued to, to be a lay person in our church that we were uh, a part of. Um, I wasn't even leading a Bible study at the time. I was just in this Bible study, and I would notice that when I would go to work, right, like I'm wearing like a chemical mask, right, because I would do chemical work uh, with the Coast Guard, and uh, I'd fog, I kept fogging it up because I'd be praying for all these people in my small group, and and uh, uh, I would hang around the church a lot and like kind of shadow the pastors a lot, and anyway, uh, through a series of, uh, of of God speaking to me and and elders from the church and mentors in my life that kept asking the question, do you think maybe God might be calling you into ministry? And I kept rejecting that idea. Why? Because I was so afraid of the unknown. I knew what this life was, was looking like. I knew what the Coast Guard life was looking like. At least I thought I did. And it was this, this huge, scary unknown to quit something secure and to, to retool, to go back to school, uh, and so, but eventually, obviously, uh, I, I began to take those steps. And uh, I left this career while my wife was still a full-time student, and I became a student and worked construction on the side and, um, and began to see that promise come true of certainly, without a doubt, I am with you. And, and God would show up in different ways. Like, he would show up financially 
uh, with mystery money in the mail when we would have car problems or a landlord that a couple different times when things were really tight, I would hand him shakily my rent check hoping it would clear and he would say things like, oh, I, I haven't cashed the last three. Uh, I, why don't you just have this month on me? I was like, what are you? Like, totally not a Christian dude. Just, just somebody that God was working in and through. And God showing us in these different ways that, that he was with me in this terrifying moment. I'll tell you what else. It wasn't just the getting the budget to balance that was scary to me. The bigger fears for me were, can, who am I? Like, can I do this? Will I be successful? Can I handle graduate school? All of these kind of questions. I was just a machinery technician. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love engines, but like I was just a blue collar guy working in an engine room and doing chemical spill stuff in the Coast Guard. And all of a sudden they're talking seminary. And I just had these huge doubts about myself and who I was. And so following God one step at a time, he proved himself faithful in those moments. So one of the things that we did uh, as a group of uh, this weekend, as we had the kids share, and Christy's going to kind of introduce that time because uh, we have some of our students who are going to share. You can come up now. <laughs> Thank you. Yep, just stay right here. So, um, yeah, we talked about following God into the unknown, um, heard from Chris, uh, looked at some of our Bible characters that we may or may not be familiar with, and how they took steps of faith, were called to things, faced challenging and scary and new situations, and were obedient and stepped forward in faith. Uh, Abraham and David and even someone mentioned Jesus, like coming down to earth to be a man. That must have been a big unknown. And he did it, right? He did all those hard things. And so looking at these Bible characters and seeing with the... Uh, with. 2020 vision of, of history, we can see God kept his promises to those people and he worked in their lives. So what a blessing to us that we get to look at other people's lives through history, even look at each other's lives and see that God keeps his promises. And so we talked about how God has promises that he will keep for you guys, for all of us, for me, as we continue to step forward in obedience, walking in faith. Just let me pause real quick. Following God into the unknown, I forgot to acknowledge there were uh, four or five new um, C2 kids who were playing instruments on that song. Did you guys see them? We had Finley on the drums, Drew on the piano, Stella on the violin, David on the ukulele. Did I get them all? Big unknown, big step of courage. Just wanted to um, point that out. Give them a high five afterwards, please. So yeah, the, the promises that God kept for all those biblical characters, for all of us, he, he's keeping, he's continuing to keep and he will keep. So I gave the kids these sheets with promises from the Bible and I had them um, pick one out that maybe rang true for them or felt encouraging and comforting to them. And I asked if anyone was willing to share in these four bold young people so that they would share again, stepping out in faith and with courage. So I'm going to start with Pepe. You want to come over here, Pepe? Pepe picked a verse and he was uh, happy to share it with you guys today. So you want to read your verse out, tell us where it is and what it is. Proverbs one thir Proverbs one thirty three. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. And why did you pick this verse? I just liked it. Excellent. Thanks, Pepe. David. 
David is an incoming, we call middle schooler, sixth grader, but maybe a bigger unknown for David is that he is coming home to be homeschooled this year with his big sister. I'm sure that there's some challenges that might come with that. So how are you feeling about that, David? I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the school I uh, came from, I've been at for um, around five years, so it's going to be a very big change, but um, yeah. Can you share your verse, please, where it's from and what it is? Um, this is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Um, I liked it because it it seems to um, say that you don't really need, that really all you need to do is um, trust God, and that's, it's, it pretty much says don't lean on what, it says don't lean on your own understanding, which is um, don't rely on yourself, really. So I think, yeah, it's, yeah. Thanks, David. Ben is one of our incoming high schoolers, and he also has a verse that he, and I think he has a few thoughts about that verse. Yeah, so um, high school can be a big change, and it's, there's a lot of unknown uh, in it, and um, so I picked the same thing as David, which is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which was actually my zero verse that I picked like a few years ago. And um, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he who will make your uh, path straight. And some thoughts I had about this. So um, I said that uh, three things that this verse kind of tells you how to, uh, how to uh, deal with um, the unknown is, first of off, to trust in the Lord and he will lead you through the new things. And also thinking about Jesus and God as you um, make your way through the unknown, and also knowing that you can't do it on your own and always trusting in the Lord. And Emma, also coming into high school. And for Emma, the unknown is maybe a little bigger because she is coming from homeschool going to public school. How are you feeling about that? Nervous. And what was your verse? Uh, well, I, I actually had two, and um, one of them was the same one as Ben and David. But I also, I really liked the Joshua 1.9, which was, um, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And um, the whole with you wherever you go thing, which is kind of what Chris was talking about, um, kind of encouraged me because... I'm sure it's not just going to be a piece of cake, but it's, there's probably going to be challenges. But I know that God will be with me through it all, and that's encouraging. Um, to those kids and any other court kids up here, we are having a prayers for healing service tonight. So I encourage you to take advantage of that with the weeks, school week starting this week. If you feel like you would like prayer, don't be shy. We would be happy to pray for you. We also heard from Tommy um, yesterday who is taking a big step himself. And I used the phrase, he didn't know where it was going to end up. And he's, he corrected me 
uh, and so I will let him tell you why. So um, I was sharing yesterday, I, I got to give some backstory before I say what my big step is tomorrow, which some of you already know. Um, but I, I was thinking about, actually I was thinking about Moses um, before I even saw the, that we were talking about tonight. And um, I really relate to Moses because he goes from like this, when he's young, he's like super overconfident. He's like, I got this. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna make it happen. And it's kind of like me. Um, and then maybe a little bit too much still. And then uh, from there, like, he kind of gets beaten down. It's like, I don't got this um, at all. And then it's like, with that, you have, um, you have fear about steps you're going to take. You have anxiety. You're, it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, I do not have this like I thought I did. So, so now what? And I definitely feel like that follows kind of like, my life trajectory as well, going from just, I'm going to go do this, do this, do this, because whatever, I got it, to, oh, uh, I, I will fail, and what does that mean? Um, so then I, I love, I just love that passage where um, God is basically like, you know, he's the burning bush, it's like, Moses, don't come over here. Okay, okay, you know, take your sandals off, sure, yeah. And then he starts talking about, I've heard the Israelites' cries, um, I'm going to like lead, I'm going to save them, and I just picture Moses being like, yeah, yeah, let's get it. Like, yeah, go God, go God. And he's like, and you're going to lead him. He's like, I, I picture the spit take right there. Like, wait, what a second, wait a second. <laughs> that is not me at all. And, and uh, that line, you know, of um, I will be with you. And it's this shift of going from um, this attitude, of, I got this, to just knowing that God's got you. And, you know, God, God's got me is, is where I'm at in my life right now, which is really uh, it's really cool because uh, when you take big steps, it's, you know, you're still wondering what's going to happen. You're still a little bit anxious. You have to be vulnerable, and that can be a little bit frightening. But in the end, it's like God's got me, so I, I'm not scared um, or worried. It's just like this is going to be wild, and it will mean I'm making more mistakes and learning from those mistakes. But God's got me, so it's that's great. Um, so the step I'm taking is... Um, I decided to, after a lot of years of thinking about it, pursue a principal certification um, to work in schools as a principal. Uh, Ben's joining me this year. The good ones here? Oh, okay. oh up top. Yeah, Ben. Um, so we're both stepping into that together. And um, I felt like that was a really big step. And then uh, the last day of school, I would have still been in my same job at Colshin next year, doing my internship, doing this program at UW. And uh, I was like, wow, this is a big step I'm taking. All right. God's got me. Last day of school, I get a phone call, and um, my boss asks me to think about moving to elementary school next year. And uh, not just elementary school, but being a, um, a technology coach, which is what I do now, at one school, and a dean of students at the other school, which is kind of like an assistant principal. And like going from middle school teacher to like elementary assistant principal type job, that is like, talk about the unknown. I mean, I've never worked in an elementary school before, and now I'm going to be in a role where I have to be supporting teachers who have worked there for, some of them for decades, and know, know a ton about it. So um, it's, it's really like, okay, God's opening this door. Um, also with that, opening the door where I get to work with my mom at one school and my dad at the other school. So uh, that's awesome. So that's really cool. There's a blessing no matter what happens. Um, and then just thinking about, okay, I... I know that what I want in schools is, um, I've just over the years been thinking about how do our, our families and how do our students, not every student knows that they are known and loved by someone. And not every family feels like they belong in our school communities. 
Um, not every teacher knows that they have the power to like, you know, improve in how they do their job, that they, um, they might have this, be in that spot that Moses was, was in of going from I got this to I don't got this, and that's where they're at. So I get, to, I get to support all of those different groups, which is super exciting, even though I, I don't got that role by myself. Um, I know that God's got me, so hopefully I can learn and grow into it. So big step. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, thanks so much, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. I like those stories, Tommy and the kids, and even mine to some degree. Um, because I think we can all find our, ourselves in, in other people's stories. We all have places that we've either overcome, and I encourage you to be a rememberer. The Bible's always telling us to remember, because if you're sitting here and you're like more than one day old, God has seen you through some unknowns, hasn't he? And we can take courage from that. And every single one of us is facing unknowns. I mean, if you want to get super like technical not to freak anybody out but like you have no idea what's going to happen when you step foot out these doors right like you just don't know and um, so we really do need God to carry us along all the time it's good to get used to that um, and I, I just encourage us to as we enter into a time of healing prayer now to to sit with those words certainly without a doubt I am with you um, I want to invite Schoon and uh, Elizabeth Ford who are going to be playing some some music for us. This is this is space for you and I. This is um, a gift um, in a in a busy and most of us an overhurried life, an unreflective life. Um, this is an opportunity for us to to sit with the Lord, uh, to sense His I am with youness. Uh, and then Charles Hansen and I will be at these kneeling benches, and we would um, just be honored to pray uh, with you for you if you have something physical emotional, spiritual that you'd like prayer for. Maybe it's a threshold moment, something you're concerned about. Uh, ninth graders, sixth graders, uh, kindergartners, or I guess they're gone right now. But any, anything, uh, and we'll, we'll pray for you uh, at this time.